Grace DC. Welcome to worship this morning. My name is Erwin Anson. I serve as one of the pastors here in our network. If this is your first time worshiping with us, either virtually or in person, we're glad you're here and want to extend a warm welcome and greeting uh, to you. We look forward to the opportunity uh, to one day meet you in person. Uh, to our regular Grace DC members and attendees, welcome to you as well. We are grateful for the ability to be connected with you here virtually for our worship service. And we long for the day where we can be back together again, gathered in person to worship our Lord. And it really is a joy this morning that whether we are together personally or here virtually, that the God of all creation invites us to worship him, that he calls us to himself through Jesus Christ to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so that's why every time we gather for worship, we do a call to worship, a responsive call to worship. And it's not me as the minister calling you to worship. It is God himself through his word inviting you to worship him this morning through faith in Jesus Christ. Our call for this morning comes from the 46th Psalm. And so I invite you to, uh, to read it with me responsively. I'll read the part where it says leader and then we will all respond together where it says people. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, we bow before your throne of grace this morning, declaring as the psalmist declared that you are our fortress. You are our refuge, a very present help in trouble, a very present help no matter what our condition and our situation is. We are grateful for the opportunity to worship you this morning. And we ask that you would be pleased through our worship service through the prayers and petitions that are offered up, through the singing of songs of praise, through the preaching of your word, that you would reveal yourself more and more to us, that we would be people, that we would grow into people who live more and more, not for our own glory or fame or our name, but for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ, our King. And it is in his name that we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.
service where we worship God through confessing our sins and receiving the assurance of God's forgiveness, receiving the assurance of God's pardon. It's a wonderful thing that the Word of God tells us that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and He's righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of our lives, internal and external, every facet of it, 
is an open book before the eyes of God. And so it's good news that he offers us this ongoing invitation to bring our sins and lay them before the foot of the cross, to confess them openly, and to know that he gives us of his spirit, that we would receive that pardon and walk in the new life that is ours in Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to pray together this prayer of confession that will be on the screen or in uh, the bulletin if you have got it on your screen. We'll read it together out loud. And then I invite you to take a few moments of silent confession and reflection, and then we will receive the words of assurance. Let's pray. Our Savior Jesus, we confess that we have not longed for your coming and your kingdom as we ought. We have not denied ourselves, taken up the cross, and followed you. Instead, we still cling tighter to the things of this world than we cling to you. We place them above you. Lord, forgive us for letting the things you give us become our idols. Make us people who never stop looking forward and longing for the city you have prepared for us. Amen. Take a few moments to silently confess and reflect before the Lord. And now I would invite you wherever you are in your home, if you are able to stand and to receive this word of assurance and encouragement coming from the book of Hebrews chapter 12, verses one to three. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Amen. Today's scripture is Hebrews 11, 8-16. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Duke. I'm one of the pastors in the Grace DC Network. Welcome again if you're someone who's new to the Christian faith or maybe new to our online community. We're so glad that you could join us. All of us together, could we pause and pray for one second? Ask for God's help together. Let's pray before looking at God's word. Father, we ask that you would come and help us send your spirit. Our great encouragement is that you promised to do that. Help us. And so come and speak words of life and change our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On the morning of November 1st, 2004, I hopped into a U-Haul truck and started the nine-hour drive down to Washington, D.C. There was a lot to be excited about at that time in my life. I had just accepted a, a new position at a new church called Grace, D.C. I was eager to work with a young church planter whose name was Glenn Hoberg, seemed like a good dude. I wasn't sure if I could root for the Wizards, but I was looking forward in my new city to watching games in the MCI Center downtown. I was excited, but I also had left behind a lot in Providence, Rhode Island, where I was coming from. That had been my college town and my home city for the 10 years prior. My girlfriend Paula was still there, and of course I was heading into a lot of uncertainty by leaving that town. Finally, after hours on the road, after a stop by Ikea, after a few Nathan's hot dogs along the New Jersey Turnpike, finally I pulled up into my little apartment on Harvard Street in Adams Morgan and I began a new life. And Glenn turned out to be all right. Big moves to new places are always challenging. Some of you have made a move like that to this town recently. Some of you are planning to make a similar one out of town. Fifteen years ago, I, like you, stepped into a lot of uncertainty. But I can't at all imagine what Abraham and Sarah faced when they made their big move. We learn about it in Genesis 12. It's referred to in our reading today. God called them to leave everything, and they did. And God promised that he would bless them if they would go to a new place, but I'll tell you where it is when you get there, and they did. God promised that he would make Abraham a blessing to the whole world. He promised Abraham he would give him a new land as an inheritance and bless him with innumerable descendants, making him the father of a very new nation. And it wasn't always easy, and at times they stumbled, but Abraham and Sarah believed God. All this they did by faith, we're told, actively trusting in God. And so these two characters from the Old Testament are introduced here in Hebrews 11 as the fourth and the fifth examples of what true faith looks like. And so what can we learn today from Abraham and Sarah about faith? Well, we learn two things. First, faith follows. Secondly, faith looks forward. Faith follows. Faith looks forward. Let's learn this together. Faith, number one, 
follows. God said to Abraham, go, and Abraham went and followed God. Sometimes following God by faith invites you into a period of insecurity and uncertainty. That was the case for Abraham. He left his family's household. Of course, in the ancient world, household didn't just refer to your house. It referred to your place of belonging. It was your social safety net. It was your place of security. And verse 8 explains that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. Oftentimes, living by faith is initially disorienting. It can even leave you feeling a little vulnerable. I wonder how many of us maybe might be bailing out of living by faith because it's just been uncomfortable. Verse 8 tells us, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go. That ancient word for obey is constructed with two other words that means hear and submit. Uh, Faith is a hearing that leads you to submit to God. Faith gives up the right to be your own guide, to be your own boss, to be your own steering wheel, and even your own Lord. But one of the clearest emphases of this passage is that the faith that follows, the faith of Abraham, doesn't follow blindly. Did you notice the word that's repeated again and again more than any other word in this passage? It's the word promise. Abraham left his household because God promised him a better inheritance. Abraham left his homeland because he believed God's promise that he would be given a better land, a promised land. Sarah became the mother of descendants because she believed God and that God would be faithful to his promise. Sometimes when we think of faith, the the picture that we have in our heads is, is that of leaping off a cliff. And so we use that phrase, a leap of faith. But I think a better picture of faith might be something like the exchange of rings at a wedding ceremony. Here's my wedding ring. You don't know what it took to get this off my finger. This is how much I love you all. Here is a ring that symbolizes a a vow. It's a token of promises that are made, that are exchanged between two different people. You receive their promise. You believe them when you take that ring, that they will be committed to you in sickness and in health, in richer or for poorer, as long as we both shall live. And this is exactly what the promise of God is like as we receive it, as we believe it from him. Guess what? Your groom is God. And you're not plunging yourself then over a cliff. I mean, who wants to do that? That's not faith. Faith is plunging yourself into the sure arms of God. Faith doesn't follow blindly. Faith sees with the eyes of the heart, the trustworthiness of God, the reliability of his word, the certainty of his promises. It considers him faithful. Faith doesn't flail with insecurity. Faith clings to the promise of God. And so how then do we grow in this following faith, this faith in God's promises? First, we need to get used to, or at least more used to, human uncertainty. The default mode of our hearts is to want to live by sight, what we can see, what we can feel. If I can't see it, if I can't comprehend it, 
It's just not real. It's not trustworthy. It can't be true. And of course, these days we're facing an enormous amount of uncertainty, all these unanswered questions. When will this stay-at-home order be lifted? Will schools reopen in the fall? How long will it take for the economy to recover? Am I going to be okay? Loads of uncertainty, but friends, part of growing in faith is also growing in weaning ourselves off of needing to know and to feel in order to feel secure. The flip side to this coin, of course, is the importance of growing and uploading the promises of God in our hearts to such a degree that God's promises begin to infuse our entire lives so that it becomes God's word becomes the lens by which we begin to look out into the world and judge what is real and what is true. And so with all the insecurities that maybe you feel about money in these trying days, Can we believe in God's promise when he says, make your lives free of the love of money, the need for money, because never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You have me. Can that be enough? Or maybe uncertainty about disease and death. Can we cling to the promise even of heaven and even one day the promise of bodily resurrection because Jesus said, you may die, but you will never ever truly die. And in the face of loss and even the face of, of wrecked plans, can we believe that God is God means it when he says, in all things God works together, all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. God is working out his loving purposes for you, even through what might look wrecked and broken. Can we believe these things? Can we reorient our lives around them. I want to encourage you to build into your daily lives and routine the upload into your soul of God's promises. It might be through what you might call morning devotion, spending a little bit of time in prayer and in the Bible each day. Or maybe you call it a quiet time, maybe daily office where you interrupt your day at various points of the day in order to uh, soak your heart again in the promises of God. You know, this season of isolation is actually a wonderful time to spend memorizing the promises of Scripture. Our Grace Meridian Hill kids are actually doing that. Kids, you can say this along with me, your current memory verse. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present I'm getting it wrong. Our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. You know it better than Pastor Duke. Recite it in your hearts. Tell it to your mom, to your dad. We need to believe in the promises of God together. This is an invitation to infuse our lives with more of God's promises so that his word might be more real and defining to us even than what we see and feel. That's what it means to live with a faith that follows. But secondly, we're also taught a faith that looks forward. A faith that looks forward. We're told in verse 10 that as Abraham followed God, he was looking forward to a city that has foundations. You see, Abraham somehow was looking forward and seeking a true homeland, we're told in verse 14. 
He was looking for a better country that is a heavenly one in verse 16. Abraham somehow knew that God had promised him something more than and better than just a plot of land in Canaan. He somehow knew that the promised land itself pointed to something later and greater. In other words, Abraham was looking for his true home in heaven. Faith looks forward to heaven because faith knows that there's always more to life than meets the eye. That's Transformers 316, right? There's more to life than meets the eye. One of my favorite descriptions of heaven, I think that's worth repeating right now, comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Some of you kids may be familiar with this book and even with this very page that comes at the very end of the story when the Apostle John gives his vision of what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back and when heaven comes down to earth. Let me read it for all of you because it's really just that rich and that important to know. I see a sparkling city shimmering in the sky, glittering, glowing, coming down from heaven and from the sky. Heaven is coming down to earth. God's city is beautiful, walls of topaz, jasper, sapphire, wide streets paved with gold, gleaming pearl gates that are never locked shut. Where's the sun? Where's the moon? They aren't needed anymore. God is all the light people need. No more darkness, no more night. And the king says, look, God and his children are together again. No more running away or hiding. No more crying or being lonely or afraid. No more being sick or dying. Because all those things are gone. Yes, they're gone forever. Everything sad has come untrue. And see, I have wiped away every tear from every eye. And then a deep, beautiful voice that sounded like thunder in the sky says, Look, I am making everything new. That's heaven, friends. That's what faith longs for, looks forward to. How do we grow in this kind of of faith. Well, first, spend time cultivating the picture of heaven in your heart. Read those two pages again and again to your kids, to yourself. This is especially valuable to do right now with so much fear of disease and death all around us, and if we're honest, even within us. I want to recommend to you a very helpful book on this topic of heaven. It's readable. It's called In Light of Eternity, and it's written by a teacher named Randy Alcorn. In Light of Eternity. Maybe you can order it and pick it up. It'd be great to meditate on heaven during this time. But here's a second way that we can grow in faith that looks forward to heaven, and it's by doing this, learning to be sojourners on earth. Sojourner means temporary visitor. Do you know that you're a temporary visitor here? Did you notice how Abraham and Sarah lived precisely because they were looking forward to heaven? Verse 13 tells us they lived as strangers and exiles on earth. And verse 9 tells us that Abraham lived in the promised land as in a foreign land living in tents. He never built a permanent home. He lived nomadically in temporary homes in tents. In other words, forward-looking faith gave them a unique mindset, and it was this. It sounded like this. I'm not from here, 
this world as it is presently isn't my forever home. Interestingly, we're told that Abraham looked forward to heaven as a city, that heaven would be a city. In the ancient world, cities, of course, were places of intimacy and security and identity. There was a lot of density, a lot of people in cities, lots of relationships. There was the richness of community, intimacy. Uh, cities were also places that provided protection, strong walls, big gates, fortresses from outside threats, security. And you were defined by your homeland, your city. That's why ancient people went around with names like Jesus of Nazareth. Your cities, partly because they provided community, gave you an identity. You see, security, intimacy, identity, this is what a city meant to an ancient person. This is what Abraham knew that heaven alone and the God of heaven could give him in lasting form. Security, identity, intimacy. See, to live as a sojourner, as a tent person, as Abraham lived, means living, recognizing that the things in our present broken world can't provide those ultimate things. See, our pandemic is rocking our foundations, isn't it? It's exposing that our roots really maybe ran too deep into the things of this world. We're being exposed for how fragile our lives really are here, how shakable, even unreliable because of disease and sickness and loss and, and death and a fragile economy. I mean, it's really worth pondering I hope you will ponder during this time, we're invited to, how much of your identity has been rooted in our mobility, in our work, in our routines, in the things that we think we can control. And how much have uh, we invested our lives in temporal things, things that fade, things that you can't take with you to eternity. How much at home have we become too much at home with things of the world. The old theologian centuries ago, Thomas Manton, wrote this about this passage. God sometimes permits inconveniences to, ar to arise in order to wean us from the world and to make us long for home. Dear friends, does, does this current pandemic season create in you a deeper hunger, a longing for heaven? It should. It should. Does it also train you maybe to live more as a sojourner, a temporary visitor in this world? Yes, deeply devoted to our neighbors and to the things of this earth, and yet always with an open hand, knowing that there's something better and greater still awaiting you. You see, having this mindset doesn't mean that you care less about the brokenness of our world. It actually means the opposite. You actually can invest more because you carry in your heart a vision of how life is supposed to be. You see that heavenly city in your heart, the, the, the pictures in the word pictures that we just read from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and you believe it and you labor then to bring tastes and foretastes and glimpses of that very heaven here on earth, in the lives of our neighbors, in the cities in which we live. Heaven actually makes us become better servants of the world. We can serve the world in its brokenness because you yourself don't need this world to be perfect right now in order for you to be feeling whole. We can enjoy these temporal blessings. We should. 
the ordinary things of life, but we should do so always telling ourselves, I'm made for more, even more, and even better than this. So we might not ever feel too at home with the world as it presently is. Faith looks forward. And faith follows. Do we know this kind of faith? Are we learning this kind of faith? Dear friends, this is a passage that invites us to look at Abraham and to grow in this kind of faith. But more than that, more than Abraham, it's an invitation to look at the greater Abraham, the one who obeyed when he was called to leave his home in heaven, the one who went went out to live in a foreign land, our world, and even lived in tent-like vulnerability, allowing himself to be hurt, allowing tears to drip from his eyes, for wounds to pierce his heart, for nails to pierce his hands. He trusted in God's promises perfectly, yes, even to the point of death. And as we're told in the next chapter in the book of Hebrews, he died for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, in order that he might become the author and the perfecter of our faith. You see, it's when we see Jesus, when we receive his love for us, when we see his perfect faithfulness, that's when God actually even creates faith in our hearts. Do you know that that's a work of God's Spirit? We're not just called to faith here in this passage. As we see Jesus, the Spirit creates faith in us. It's a joy for us to believe in Him, to trust in Him, to walk in light of His promises, to long to be with Him one day in heaven. Maybe you're saying to yourself, man, I, I just don't know if I can do it, if I have it in me. You know, you don't have it in you. Even Abraham and Sarah didn't have it in them. It's important to remember th they faltered in their faith. They often failed. And do you see what verse 16 still says about them? God is not ashamed to be called their God. Even though they had broken faith, weak faith, you betcha. God is not ashamed to be called your God. I wonder if that's the most important verse for us today as we struggle to grow in the faith that follows and the faith that looks forward. God is not ashamed of you. Oh, you of little faith. God boasts in you, his child, if you've put your trust in Christ. God is proud of you. God delights in you even as you and I grow and stumble as we grow in a life of faith that follows, in a life of faith that follows believing the promises of God, in a life of faith that looks forward one day to being in heaven where we walk not by faith but finally by sight because we will finally see Jesus and see him as he is. What an invitation. What a great hope. Will you join with me in prayer and ask that God would do this for us? Jesus, we ask that you would come and send your spirit and give us the, the very kind of faith that you have uh, illustrated for us 
in this passage through the life of Abraham and Sarah, but now give us your spirit and you create in us the faith that we need, that we long for, and help us to believe more than anything that you're not ashamed of us, that you love being called our God. We pray this in Jesus' name and with great hope. Amen. Amen. Yes, give thanks to the Lord and now receive a promise, a word of blessing, your benediction as we close our time together. Receive this from 2 Corinthians. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now, wherever you are and forevermore. Amen and amen. Have a great day, everyone. Take care. Hope to see you soon.